Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. It's going to be a great show today. We're going to be talking about the American atheist's claim and accusation that Christianity is nothing more than a myth. But before we get into that, this is the KDUR Fun Drive. And before I get into asking for your money, I want to tell you what a support KDUR in Fort Lewis has been to this show. I know that this show at times has been controversial, Definitely not the type of show that you'd necessarily expect to hear on a secular station. But all through it, KDUR in Fort Lewis has supported free speech and a diversity of ideas in public discussion. They have supported us 100%. They've stood by us even when there's been criticism. I will make the note that there hasn't been a lot of criticism, thankfully. And they have been completely, completely behind us as we have tried to do our best to present the evidence in a broad way and let you, the listener, decide for yourself. And as I talk about how much they've supported us, I want to encourage you this morning to call in and make a donation to KDUR for their spring pledge drive. Thanks a ton. If you'd like to call in right now, you could do that, 247-7262. Again, that's 247-7262. Call in and make your spring pledge to KDUR. Thanks again for supporting KDUR and The God Solution. As we begin the show, I wanted to talk today a little bit about myth. We hear the accusation oftentimes that Christianity is nothing but a myth. In fact, the American atheists have recently been promoting this idea in a billboard campaign where they have pictures of Jesus alongside Neptune and Santa Claus, mythical figures, saying, you know, it's a myth. And I wanted to address that claim or that criticism. First, before we even get into the evidence, comparing Jesus to Neptune and Santa Claus is a straw man argument because there is no historical evidence for Neptune or Santa Claus, but there is for Jesus, a tremendous volume of evidence. We've discussed that some on this show. You can go to godsolutionshow.com to see some of that evidence and to hear some of those shows. And we'll be talking a lot more about some of the archaeological and historical evidence in the very near future on this show. But without going any deeper into that, it is a straw man argument trying to make Jesus the same as Neptune or Santa Claus and then attacking Jesus and Christianity as a myth based on that incorrect assumption. And so the American atheists know this. They're actually preying on people's ignorance. This is exhibiting a tremendous lack of reason, and it's really emotivist propaganda on their end to make these outrageous claims without supporting them. So today I wanted to start the show out with this description of the controversy or the allegation of myth, and then I wanted to go into what the definition of myth is and show that the Bible and Christianity historically have never been considered myth, even in academia, and they do not meet any of the criteria or definitions of myth today. So what is myth, and how can the Bible be understood as relating to myth? I want to encourage you to check out John Oswalt's book, The Bible Among the Myths. I just finished reading this book last week. Today's show is going to be a bit of a summary of John Oswalt's book. I would encourage you to pick it up. Go to Amazon. You'll be able to find it there. John Oswalt's book, The Bible Among the Myths, will be a great way to get your feet wet 
in this whole concept, so to say, and to really dive straight in and figure out what this whole conversation is all about, comparing the Bible to myth. So Oswald's critique of this accusation that the Old Testament is myth is what this book is all about. And he is a scholar in this field and somebody who's perspective is well respected. He gives a thorough analysis of both the data and the predominant ideas in academia today, and he carefully describes the differences between the Bible and myth. And that is the fundamental issue. Traditionally, as these comparisons have been made, people have looked at how things are different rather than how things are similar. If you were to take me on the God Solution, a Christian, and compare me to the atheists with the American atheists, you'd find a lot of similarities. We have similar educations. We have similar contexts. We have similar avenues of getting our ideas across. There are many different similarities. It would be wrong to conclude that because there are similarities, we have the same opinions. No, our opinions are diametrically opposed from each other. And so if you want to compare ideas and see if they are comparable, you have to look not at the similarities, but at the differences. And all through history, that is what people have done with the Bible and myth. Sure, there are similarities between different aspects of Scripture and the Bible and different aspects of myth. We will get into this in a minute. Similarities that can be attributed to similar times, cultures, practices, languages, etc. But the differences are absolutely astronomical. And we'll see that as we go on this morning. The main fundamental difference is that the Bible describes a monotheistic, one God only, transcendent, that God being powerful over all creation, view that is historical in nature. While all other myths propose a polytheistic, continuous, or a situation in which the gods and humanity, everything is intertwined, view of nature that is not historical. That would be a broad definition of kind of the mythical perspective of the past, something that is very different than anything we see in Scripture. Oswald concludes that the Old Testament is best viewed as a unique worldview based in credible history, not just one that evolved from the myths surrounding it. Oswald begins the book by describing the shift from a scholarly approach which had traditionally been open to the possibility of revelation to one that now leaves that option off the table. A major way academia has gone about describing the Bible as myth or trying to describe the Bible of myth is by changing definitions. Traditionally, like I mentioned a minute ago, these different thought patterns or worldviews were defined by their essentials, the things which were essential to their core issues or to their identity. And the accidentals or those things which are not foundational were considered not so relevant when comparing different worldviews. Realizing that that comparison leaves the Bible completely diametrically opposed to myth, some people today, like the American atheists, are trying to make the assertion that similarities alone imply a causal relationship. In other words, that the Bible is just an evolution of the myths of its neighbors. This is not the case, and we will see that as we go on today. Before we even get there, though, let's look at the contribution the Bible has made to Western thought and to what we would understand as academia. 
the Bible was the first of all the worldviews to describe the emphasis on history and the objective reality of the universe that we take for granted today. The Greeks began to kind of hit at some of these issues. You'll remember Socrates, who paid with his life for going against the perceived perspectives of the Greek myths and the believers in those myths, and Plato and Aristotle, who went further with that philosophy, but also came to be the end of that Greek pursuit of knowledge, so to say, in that way, as myth took over again. It was not so among the ancient Hebrews in the Old Testament. This perspective of history, this objective reality of the universe, where events can be understood in a broader perspective of reality, that began to be the predominant theme. That, coupled with some of the Greek philosophers around the time of Christ, came to set the foundation for what we now know as logic and reason and modern rationality, what would be proposed in academia. Now, all of that goes back to this biblical worldview that a lot of modern thought is based on. We no longer accept myths to be true, and the reason we don't accept myth to be true is because our belief system in the West is founded on the biblical foundations that do not allow the continuity, the interrelatedness of gods and myths and all this that was so prevalent in the ancient Near East. Oswald continues his analysis of the modern labeling of the Bible as myth, describing the semantical gymnastics, I'll say, of modern skeptics, the hoops that they have to jump through to try and label the Bible as myth. The accusation of myth is relatively new in academia, and until recently, the Bible was not viewed as myth. Scholars, both supportive and critical of the Bible, had long acknowledged that whatever it was, it was not myth. They understood the Bible's unique view of reality and recognized how different the Bible was from myth. Modern scholars, however, have leapt to the opposite side of the spectrum, not because of new data or better understanding of the data, but rather by changing the definition of myth so that it would encompass the Old Testament. Since myth had always been so different than the unique perspective of the Bible, the terminology had to change in order to enable this new accusation to stand. So we don't see academic honesty here, but rather we see scholars that have an agenda of disproving the Bible as myth coming to orient their worldview around that accusation, trying to use not evidence, but definitions to prove their point. Once again, the fundamental issue of myth is continuity and correspondence. And those definitions were central to all definitions of myth. And the transcendent monotheistic perspective of the Bible is absolutely different from that. Western thought based in that biblical perspective has drifted far from those mythical perspectives on reality. We don't assume those to be true any longer. And so now what skeptics are trying to do is not maintain those definitions of myth, but rather say myth is any pre-scientific worldview. In other words, anything that came before modern science. We can't just toss out true history, true perspectives on reality based on this new accusation and a new definition. Myths have always envision an interwoven mesh of existence, physical and spiritual, past and present, human and divine. They've seen those things as being essentially connected. They've seen deity, humanity, and nature 
as being one with each other. And the Bible says something absolutely different. It talks about real history. It talks about how real choices and actions in time and space have real consequences in the future and how real events can be traced back to their causes in history, things that myth utterly rejects, things that the Bible was the first to state. Now, mythmakers typically neglect the significance of history and the impact of human choices and actions, assuming a larger, unknowable aspect of reality with greater control over the way things are. And then myth attempts to control that greater aspect of reality. So Oswald describes some of the key assumptions of myth. And we'll see in a minute how these differ radically from the Bible. Here are some of the key assumptions of all myths. Reality only relates to the present, the actualization of a timeless reality, the blurring of source and manifestation, the importance of nature symbolism, the significance of magic, the obsession with fertility and potency, and the denial of boundaries. Those are the key assumptions of myth. And those key assumptions of myth lead to common features that we see across all myths. Again, these, just like the assumptions, are radically different from anything in the Bible. Some of the key features of myths are polytheism, the emphasis on images, the eternity of chaotic matter, the idea that personality is not essential to reality, the low view of the gods, the role of conflict as the source of life, the low view of humanity, the lack of ethical and moral standards, and the cyclical concept of existence. Oswald concludes that these ancient Near East myth perspectives and features, along with all other myths from around the world, exhibit these characteristics because they begin with the same starting point, individual human experience, and then try to extrapolate a concept of reality from there. It sounds surprisingly like what we see in modern academia today, and we'll close this discussion with some of the characteristics of myth that seem to be evolving in the modern mindset. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. Thanks for listening. We're in the middle of the spring pledge drive, and as I stated at the beginning of the show, KDUR and Fort Lewis College have been extremely supportive of The God Solution, and if you enjoy The God Solution, I would ask you to make a donation this morning to KDUR. You can call 247-7262. Again, that's 247-7262 to make your pledge this morning. Thanks so much for supporting this show. We've been talking about how modern critics have tried to label the Bible as myth, and they can't do that by any traditional definition of myth, so they've tried to change the definitions. We've also begun looking at some of the key characteristics and features of myth, and we've recognized that the Bible is very much different from any of those key features. And we're going to go into that specifically next. Oswald describes the uniqueness of the biblical worldview and its nonconformity from all forms of myth, describing how it differs at these key points from mythical thought. The Old Testament and the Bible consistently affirm monotheism, the reality that there is one God, and the preeminence of one true God instead of the polytheism common across all myths. The Bible asserts iconoclasm and the belief that God cannot and should not be represented by idols, that we should not worship idols, images, or icons, instead of the idolatry of myth. 
the Bible assumes the spiritual foundation of reality instead of the natural chaos embraced by myth. Again, if you've listened to this show, you'll recognize that the cosmological argument for the existence of God is very much in agreement, whether you look at it from a physics and astronomy perspective or from a philosophy perspective, it's very much in agreement with what Scripture says, and it is fundamentally contradictory to the perspective of myth. The Bible affirms the absolute control and sovereignty of God over his creation rather than the necessary conflict espoused by myth in the creation process. The Bible maintains a high view of humanity that every single person is created in God's image instead of the low view of humanity evident in myth. The Bible posits the reliability and trustworthiness of God instead of the low view of the gods inherent in myth. The Bible describes the suprasexual nature of God instead of the sexuality of the gods described in myth. God is not sexual. In fact, this turns out to be the reason that the Bible refers to God as he. The Hebrews had no neuter pronouns, and so they had to refer to God as either he or she, not it, so to say. And because of the beauty of femininity that is so often and so easily associated with sexuality, they tried to stay as far from that in the description of God to make sure that there would be no sexual characteristic attributed to God. That was very much different from what we see in all other myths. The Bible mandates a prohibition on magic rather than the significance of magic in myth. The Bible describes ethical obedience as religious response rather than arbitrary moral pronouncements of those in power. See, the Bible alone exhibits this phenomenal perspective on ethics where every single person is held equally accountable to God for their actions and equally accountable by law for their actions. People of prominence and fame and fortune do not get off the hook according to scripture. Finally, the Bible maintains the importance of human historical activity instead of the emphasis on the present across all myths. Again, the historical nature of the Bible is an enigma for historians. It's something that exists in no worldview and in no myth of ancient times, yet it is present in Scripture. Even though the Bible is fundamentally different from these myths, it does have similarities, and those need to be evaluated. Oswald does this very well. He evaluates the historical approach of Comparing belief systems by viewing the similarities as accidentals and the differences as essentials, he correctly realizes that we have to realize that the Bible is so different from all these other myths that it can't just be locked into the same category. And at the same time, he realizes that the critic will say, but what about the similarities? I kind of mentioned that issue a minute ago, but I'll touch on it a bit more here. And we'll talk about those similarities It is true that the Bible and different myths of the time all had ethical claims and legal systems. There were similarities. What is different and therefore more important is the fact that the Bible held all people accountable to God, regardless of their position in society, and that their ethical behavior directly related to their relationship with God, and they would give an account to God for their ethical behavior. There were similar religious practices between the Bible and different myths of the surrounding nations. For example, the temple layouts were similar. Those similarities were not the main issue. Again, the differences were the fact that 
the temples of those various myths were built to worship idols and the fact that the temples of those that believe the Bible were built to worship one true God that could not be expressed in the form of an idol was phenomenal. So the differences, again, were far greater than any possible similarities. There are different expressions that sometimes existed in the Bible and in some myths, like Leviathan, for example, but the Bible didn't refer to Leviathan or any other similar expressions the way myths did. In myths, Leviathan was the chaos monster, and the Bible, that word, was used to describe a very earth-like creature, something that God had complete control over, not as a creature that was in battle with God as it was in the myths, something in the Bible like an alligator or a creature like that. There are also similar thought patterns evident in the ancient Near East and in the Bible. And we see some of those thought patterns coming out in things like the Enuma Elish and the Genesis creation accounts. Again, though, the monotheistic transcendent perspective of the Bible was radically different than the polytheistic chaotic perspective of those myths. And those differences are so large that they are much more important to analyze than any similarities. And it's the differences that set these apart. The Bible is uniquely historical. We've mentioned that before. And its historical emphasis has been affirmed through history. When we look at the New Testament, we see the claims of the New Testament affirmed as historical over and over again. When we look at the Old Testament, critics are being embarrassed by the continuing investigation in that part of the world, realizing that the best ancient Near East evidence confirms time and time again the reliability of the biblical record. So far, the critic has been left with only one option, a presupposition of naturalism that assumes from the start that divine revelation is not possible, and then critiques the Bible based on that assumption. Simply put, the critical question of where the Bible's unique worldview came from, a question that any naturalistic explanation must describe, remains unanswered. Oswald goes on to evaluate several different current attempts to answer this question and illustrates how they all fall drastically short of coming up with any real solution. Oswald began this book, The Bible Among the Myths, with a description of Israel's unique transcendent perspective, one that is based in history, one that is radically different from the continuity perspective of its neighbors, what we would call myths. The Bible is so diametrically opposed on every conceivable level to the myths of its neighbors that it cannot simply be explained as either a relative or a descendant of any of them. Interestingly, the naturalistic perspective of those myths is coming back into the status quo today, and humanity seems to be traveling back to this consensus of continuity, and all that characterized myth lies inevitably in our future. Oswald gives several different characteristics of how the patterns of myth and the fundamental issues of myth are arising again today. This list includes the erosion of ethical standards, the replacement of truth with power, the loss of an objective perspective of right and wrong, an increase in interest in black magic, the preoccupation with sex and opposition to any perceived control of sexual freedom, the devaluing of human beings concurrent with the elevation of individual freedom, a decline in altruism and self-denial, 
increased irresponsibility, a lack of interest in history, and the dismissal of the possibility of personal character transformation. So when the American atheists make the accusation that Christianity is nothing but myth, they fail to realize that Christianity and myth have been diametrically opposed for millennia and continue to be so. The only way to affirm that accusation is to change the definition of myth to try and make it encompass scripture, and even that attempt falls short. They also fail to realize that the very worldview that they are promoting is by nature and by all the historical definitions of myth, mythical. And all the key elements of that worldview are some of the key elements of myth. I would encourage you to get Oswald's book, The Bible Among the Myths, if this is a topic that interests you. If you'd like to go deeper into all this and get a better understanding on how the Bible is absolutely radically different from anything that's ever been called myth, check out Oswald's book, The Bible Among the Myths. And again, you can get that on Amazon or any online bookseller. The bottom line, Christianity is no myth. Christianity is a worldview that is based in history. The historical pronouncements found in Scripture have been historically verified time and time again. When critics have said the opposite, they've been found embarrassed time and time again. And we can rest assured that the claims of Scripture are valid. Maybe you heard the interview last week with Dr. Gary Habermas about the evidence for the resurrection. If you didn't, check out GodSolutionShow.com. You can get that interview and others there. That's just one example how the evidence points completely and convincingly in the direction of Christian theism. Christianity really is no myth. The American atheists would do well to evaluate the evidence rather than attack straw men. And it is laughable that they would be claiming to be the ones showing reason and using reason in these straw men attacks. They really need to start heeding their own advice and evaluating the evidence rather than just rhetorically pushing their own propaganda. Myth has always been fundamentally different than Christianity and diametrically opposed to everything that we see in the Bible. The Bible discusses the reality that there is just one omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all-loving God. Myth, on the other hand, asserts that there is a polytheistic universe, one in which there are many competing, warring gods, none that are all-powerful, but always in conflict. Myth claims that the gods and the universe, nature, human beings, everything is fundamentally united and inseparable from each other, whereas the Bible claims that human beings are loved by God and unique and separate from him. He desires to be in relationship with each one of us, but we are separate entities. Myth has traditionally contradicted history and found history irrelevant, whereas the Bible has rooted its theology in real history the president of the American Atheists, David Silverman, has degrees in computer science and marketing, and maybe that's why his claims, although bold, are completely baseless. I suggest he do some more studying in science and history before he makes such outrageous claims. The fundamental issue, though, is how does this relate to you? And this morning, I want to encourage you that the message of the Bible is relevant to where you're at today. 
The Bible tells us that God loves each one of us, and that includes you individually and with a love that has never ended. It's been fervent for all of eternity. God loves you, and nothing you've ever done could possibly make him stop loving you. The Bible also tells us that every one of us is sinful and separated from God, and that we cannot experience the relationship with him that we are created for until we realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all of our sins so that anyone who trusts in him will be forgiven and can experience a relationship with him on this planet and an eternity with him forever. That is the message of Christianity. And I hope that this morning you'd come to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my life, make me the kind of person you want me to be. I'd like to invite you to connect this week. It'll be our last connect of the year. We'll be meeting in the Student Life Center, room 119, at 7.30 p.m. this Tuesday. Please come and join us. I'd also like to invite you to the River Church this morning. They meet at 860 Plymouth Drive, right here in Durango. You can take a right, right off Florida Road when you see the big gray building, and they'll be meeting at 1045. I hope you'll drop by. Congrats, Pastor Mark, on being the lead pastor at the River Church. Get all of our previous shows at godsolutionshow.com, and please let us know what you think. We appreciate your comments and questions. Finally, before I close out the show, I'll say it again. This is the Spring Pledge Drive, and KDUR and Fort Lewis have supported this show tremendously, and I would encourage you to support them as well. Please call 247-7262 right now and make your donation. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday. Call in right now, 247-7262, and make your pledge. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.